This is David Hamilton, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair and it's another big week for Fulham Football Club this week. New contracts for Dennis Adoy, Joe Bryan and Josh Onoma have helped us to bury the disappointment of opening day defeat. Plus, we've just got through to the next round of the Carabao Cup after seeing off Ipswich this evening. We'll have a brief look back over events at Portman Road this evening. Look ahead to Saturday's match with Leeds at Ellen Road. Plus, Danny will also join me a little later on for a Kevin McDonald in focus chat. Your pod team tonight, firstly, is Maxime LaMarchand's biggest fan. You can never have too much of a good thing, particularly when this boy is on the pod two shows in a row. It's Morgan Cowson. Hello, mate. Evening. And making his full and focused debut tonight is a man who's spent a long time in the team already, but we've not let his dulcet tones anywhere near a microphone until this point, simply because he's from Scarborough. Ben Robinson, what on earth is a Fulham fan doing in Scarborough? Hi, how are you doing? Um... I don't have much choice, to be fair. Um, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have to be. What, in Scarborough? In Scarborough or a Fulham fan? Both. <laughs> yeah. Lovely stuff. All right, let's get into it then. Fulham. We must first quickly discuss what happened at Portman Road tonight, lads. We fielded a strong side and there were debuts for Ariola, Tete, Lamina and Robinson. Morgs, what's your opening assessment of the new players? Well, from what I saw of the game, I didn't see the whole of it, but what I did see, uh, it was pretty much strong performances all round. I don't think anyone um, looked out of place in the system. Uh, when you look at the team we were up against, they're not the biggest test. It was almost like putting them in a uh, kind of a bit of a pre-season fr- friendly to test them out, which is probably an ideal scenario in this case. So I think it sets them up well for the weekend. Uh, I think... After the Arsenal game, I'm sure Scott was, you know, wanted to get them some game times with the option of playing them against Leeds. So I think looking at how they did play, I think we won't see too many changes from the Arsenal starting eleven. Obviously, Mitro will come in. Um, we probably see uh, Tete start right back because he, I mean, that cross for uh, Mitro's goal was sublime. I think we can say. And, yeah, I think overall, positive from them. The Ipswich didn't give us too many tests, but happy to see them all come through uh, unscathed. Great stuff. And, Ben, what did you think about that cross from Tete and the header from Mitro for the only goal of the game tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of what we've been missing recently from right back the last couple of seasons. I mean, we've had Christie, but he's not as confident as Fredericks was going forward. And I think we've missed that at times. Um, You look at last season, Joe Bryan had... I think it was nearly seven or eight assists. Um, and I think we've missed that from the other side because you know, Christian and Doyle don't really get much uh, forward or forward anywhere near as much as Brian does. So we're good to have another sort of string to our bow, another uh, attacking option down that right-hand side. Yeah, it definitely looks quite tasty. And uh, yeah, I probably would have said that Tete was man of the match tonight. It was it was a decent, decent performance. Um, Ariola didn't have a great deal to do, but what he did, he, he did confidently and looked quite assured. 
And I thought Anthony Robinson looked good as well. And I think he'll provide good com- competition for Joe Bryan all season. So, yeah, all in all, a positive evening. Let's move on to Saturday then and talk about the, the big game at Ellen Road. Marcello Bielsa has attracted headlines ever since he came to England as Leeds manager. He discovered Mauricio Pochettino as a player and mentored Pep Guardiola, the manager. But I think he's something of a pantomime villain, given his antics since he arrived in the country, particularly the whole Spygate thing. That being said, he allowed Villa to equalise after Leeds controversially took the leads against them the season before last. Morgs, are you a fan of Bielsa? I personally think we'd love him if he was full of manager. Yeah, I think he's definitely one of those managers that you love when he's your boss. Uh, he's a character there are, of which there are, you know, not as many as there were back in the uh, back in the day. So I think, as well as being a character, yes, he has that slightly darker side if you look at the spy stuff. But he's just he is a professor of the game. He knows everything about it. He lives it. He doesn't sort of buy into the kind of the luxury side of life by the sounds of it. He lives above a sweet shop or something in Leeds and commits his whole day-to-day life being, you know, all knowing. He's the omnipotent manager of Leeds. And he's, um, I think to have someone who is that committed to learning about your opponents, learning about a team, it's a great asset for Leeds. And you, you probably won't find another manager like that uh, available, you know, to, you know, come in. And I think uh, he's, he doesn't strike me as someone that would last somewhere very long before he wants to move on. He might sort of, his uh, uh, interest level might sort of wane, especially if they don't do particularly well this season. But I think he's definitely, he's got, he's a good tactician. He plays good football. You do wonder whether their style will get found out um, as you know, like we did under Jukanovic. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not jealous of Leeds because I, I like Parker now. But, you know, he he is a good manager uh, for them. I watched a documentary on him on um, on Sky Sports the other day. Uh, Bielsa, El Loco and Leeds, I think it's called. And it went into a lot of detail about him. But the thing I just remember about it is him walking around his local supermarket in his full Leeds tracksuit, people <laughs> taking pictures of him. And it's, you know, he's... Not a, not ashamed to just you know he's not not being inconspicuous or anything. He's just like this is me and this is what I am, and I, I quite like that. Um, but he's ben, not. He's your... he kind of you look at him and you go, oh, he's definitely the Leeds manager. He's not some bloke, yeah. some sort of like you know unemployed bloke who's just wandering around in his uh, full Leeds no. tracksuit. He's like, no, he's definitely uh, he's definitely Marcel, uh, Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah, unmistakably. Ben, it's your neck of the woods. What do you make of Bielsa? Yeah, well. Um... It's difficult to know where to start with him. I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the world. I mean, nearly every manager will say he's, he's brilliant. Guardiola, we all think he's a really good manager, a brilliant manager. And Guardiola said he's top of his list of managers, is Bielsa. Um, all the Leeds fans I know that I go to work with and play footy with, they absolutely love him. Um, I think one thing that we love about Scott Parker is his attention to detail. If you look at that cup final where um, we caught um, Ray off his line. That we said afterwards, you know, it's brilliant. The attention to details, incredible. Um, Bielsa had seven pages of information on the third goalkeeper for an away match last year in the Championship. So the level of detail he goes into is it's insane. You know, he, um, they're just he's just one of the best in the world. He doesn't care about winning trophies. He doesn't care about um, getting all this uh, attention. He just wants to play football. He wants to play total football. Um, the effort puts in second to none. And I think as Fulham fans, we'd absolutely love that. 
you know, if we had a, a manager who would walk around in the Fulham tracksuit around Hammersmith, we'd absolutely love it. Um, I think the Gap think tried the... that, didn't he? <laughs> I was about oh, to yeah. say that, yeah. <laughs> Turns out not as big a thing as uh, you know, you'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. I think you've got a bit of success as a manager for it to come off. Uh, if, yeah. if Leeds were bottom of League One, I don't think you'd be getting the, uh, the same sort of affection walking on his Leeds tracksuit. No. But um, no, no, I think... Fair. One of the reasons he's disliked, I think, by some fans is he comes across he's almost arrogant because he doesn't care for media, he doesn't care for um, you know um, attention. He just he just wants to knuckle down, play football, and coach. And he sometimes comes across as arrogant. He's always wearing his tracksuit and he sits on the bucket, doesn't he, during a game? I, I don't know. Yeah, what that was that was because he had a bad back or something like that. I think wasn't it? He uh, and everyone made a big thing about Bielsa's bucket. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> like move on, move on. Yeah, <laughs> back injury, isn't it? <laughs> well, Leeds play a high press, high intensity, high energy game, which is Bielsa's trademark wherever he's been. In his first season at Ellen Road, this saw them run out of steam and indeed fall apart at the crucial business end of the season. They won the championship last season, though, and were in blistering form after the restart. Ben, do you think they were beneficiaries of the lockdown break in the end, or was it destiny that he was always going to take these back to the Premier League? Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the last season, or sorry, the season before last, um, they did run out of steam. And I think it's the, the fact that they're playing this high pressed game. Um, but, you know, was it, did he look at it after last season and say, we ran out of steam, uh, so we're going to increase our fitness levels, or was it the COVID break that helped? It's difficult to know. Um, but I do think it was a make-or-break season for Bielsa because if he hadn't got leads at this season, it was the same task again for a third season. I think he would have got bored. Um, he'd only ever signed one-year contracts wherever he's been. He's never tied himself down for a long time. And I, I was thinking, does the Premier League make it better or worse for Leeds, this style of play? Because they have less games, so they've got more rest. And they have more protection from little niggly fouls. The players are more protected by the refs. At the same time, they're going to be pressing a lot more because they're against teams like Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, and they're going to have to press a lot more. Um, and against better coaches, you know, there's more TV coverage, more media coverage. I think Scott Parker took half an hour with their media. Will be also be interested in that after a season? I'm not too sure. It's difficult to know. Yeah, then plus you've got the press intrusion as well, which will be greater with 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 Leeds being in the Premier League as well. And who was it that was going to? I think, who's the uh, Scolari was going to become England manager once upon a time, and he was he was over here all set to sign, and then the way that the press were with him just completely put him off, and um, that the the intrusion would just be a whole lot more intense for him in the uh, uh, in the in the Premier League. But perhaps he's used to it in in other countries. I don't know. I'm just just yeah. speculating. But yeah, I mean, it's I suppose it's media over here, and the second you do something wrong, they're on your back. Um, mm. But I mean, I was saying about you know, might be struggling against the better teams. Against Liverpool the other day, they had fifty-one percent possession, and you know, not many teams go to Liverpool and do that. So it'd be interesting, interesting how it plays out. All right, well, it's Leeds' first home game of the season, and you can't move for hearing all about them. We've just spent five ten minutes talking all about them on a full and focused podcast. So uh, let's move away from Leeds. Uh, we of course faced them in the Championship at Ellen Road back at the end of June in our second game after the restart, and were thrashed three 0 when we still had an outside chance of automatic promotion ourselves. Once again, it's the second game of the season. Morgs, how should Fulham set up to avoid a repeat of last time? And dare I say, it, piss on their chips in their first home game back. I think Scott needs to learn from the mistakes that he made in that last game, which is the first half of that match. We played brilliantly. 
but we couldn't make a breakthrough. Second half, Bielsa, given his team talk, he knew exactly what we were doing and he knew exactly how we were going to play in that second half. But Parker didn't know how Leeds were going to play, it seemed. And they just tore us apart and deservedly ran out 3-0 winners in the end. But this time around, we know how they're playing. You know, Parker and his team would have seen how they played against Liverpool and they will learn from that. And they're not going to change their game plan. They're going to come out and attack us. And we need to be able to, we need to be ready for that. We need to probably play a more counter-attacking game. Uh, we're not going to have as much possession as we are used to in our games. And I think, you know, we'll see a few more of the um, new signings come in. I'd like to see Zambo start. Um, it probably in place of Kearney and then have him and Reed as the two sort of holding midfielders because we're going to need that with the amount, uh, you know, coming towards us and likely going to see Tete. Um, well, I think we'll probably see Brian uh, on the left again rather than Robinson, although he had a good game by the sounds of it. And from what I saw, he did. Um, but I think we'll also be going with the same back to uh, the same centre back. So I think it's time for Hector and Reem to prove their worth because in this game, we are underdogs, but these are the games we need to be getting a result in because it's against our fellow promoted team. And so from this, we can put the Arsenal game to bed, but we need to come out in this game with a lot of confidence. We've come off the back of a win, albeit against a League One team, and we need to make sure that we give ourselves a good, uh, you know, a good foothold in the game. And we need to give ourselves a good, uh, you know, give a good showing to show everyone else in the league that we're not going to be pushovers in this season because that's from you know reading every every report that I've seen, everyone's just expected us to go down with 37 games left of the season. So I think it's up to the players now to put last week to bed and show you know the media, show the fans, show everyone that we're up for this fight. And you know, getting a result at Leeds isn't going to be no mean feat. And I think we we have the ability to do it. We just need to go out and play our game plan. I think for me. Creating opportunities is going to be a real struggle this season. But watching the way Kenny Tete played today and put the ball into the box two or three times, and with Mitro lurking, I think that's going to be key to the way we play, and Joe Bryan as well. Um, and I just wonder whether there's going to be a place for both Bryan and Anthony Robinson in the team at times this season. Maybe maybe um, Robinson at left back and then Bryan a bit further forward. Not quite sure how that's going to work in a 4-3-3, but... I mean, I remember the commentators on BT Sport for the Arsenal game the other day saying that we did look narrow at times and the people weren't getting out wide enough. But, you know, if you played Robinson and Bryan on the left and Tete on the right, then that's that is, they are wide players who can get balls into the box. So I think at some point we're going we're gonna to sign a striker, hopefully in the next two or three weeks as well, before deadline day to either complement or uh, or at least provide some some backup for, for the likes of Kamara and, and Mitrovic. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be key to the way we play. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that we, we see a variation of that on, on Saturday and on road as well. But I think the thing is, with you're talking about Brian playing slightly further up the pitch, given the amount of assists that he provided to Mitro last season, it wouldn't be a bad shout for him mm-hmm. to play in that left whatever left forward position or whatever you want to call it just because if he's providing them from left back you know he should be able to provide them from left wing mm-hmm. now the problem with him giving uh, you know providing all those assists the ones that he doesn't 
you know, provide where, in situations where he doesn't provide an assist, he's leaving himself exposed from left back. Now, if he's got someone behind him, great. And in a in Robinson, you have a defensive-minded player, so I, you know, it would not be a bad shout to have him there because all our other wingers, despite the fact we seem to have all the wingers, don't seem to be coming up with the assists, and we don't want to be relying on Tete and Brighton, our two fullbacks to be providing all the assists when our, you know, further forward wingers should be providing themselves. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, also tonight, Joe Bryan came on for Tessay and played right back for the last 10 minutes, which was a, a most bizarre decision, which I uh, wasn't expecting. But as soon as Joe Bryan came on, we were all saying, well, where's he playing then? And, you know, he just, it was a straight swap, right back. So very strange. Ben, what about you, mate? Uh, any uh, Anything you've got to add on how we might line up to beat Leeds at the weekend? Well, I think, uh, like Morgan said, it's going to be hard, you know, um, going away to Leeds, not going to be easy on a good day. Um, but in the Premier League, you've just been battered by Arsenal your first game back. I think it's uh, it's going to be a tough one, but it's a chance for Parker to prove that he's got the chance, um, also got the ability to um, manage in the Premier League against these good teams. And he's got to show we've got a plan B. You know, we can't always go with the same 4-3-3 straight set up. We've got to have another option, especially against good teams away from home in the Premier League um, and against teams like you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool. We're going to have to prove we can play differently. Um, and we can't just turn up in our usual style because teams will figure us out very quickly. And I think we've got to be careful about VAR because last time we were there, Mitro should have been sent off. I think, was it Ben White he elbowed? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so we, that could come in a few times this season, I think, but... I think so. I think I think, I think, we, I think we all fear the uh, the Metro VAR uh, situation because yeah, there's, there's always a couple is, of seasons, isn't there? Well, he is he's such a strong player, and he does like to put himself out, uh, put himself about, and you just wonder. It's all about interpretation, and you do wonder if they're just going to sort of you know there's going to be the bloke at Stockley Park who's going to see him sort of throwing his body about and then sort of call it as an elbow or whatever, or violent conduct or some something or other. But you kind of hope that, you know, they're saying that like, referees using the monitors more this season. Hopefully he'll be able to get away with it a little bit, but he can't do what he did in the championship too much. No, absolutely not. No. Um, he's, he's just a strong forward though, isn't he? And he's, he's you know, the, the typical type of target man almost who, who does like to put himself about and he is, he is very physical and physical players sometimes accidentally catch people on purpose and it <laughs> happens. So ho- hopefully we won't see too much uh, of, of him being on the wrong side of that. Then I was going to ask you as well, Tom Kearney's got a good record against Leeds. Do you think we'll see Tom Kearney play at the weekend and captain the side or do you think that Zambo might come in for him? What, what do you think about the midfield? Well, I think we will see him. I think he will play, either start or come on. But personally, I wouldn't start him. Um, I'd go with the same midfield uh, Morgan said. Uh, Zambo and Reed, CDMs and possibly Onoma, um, just in front, some number 10 role. He slows us down a bit too much. I think away from home, we're not going to have that much time. We're not going to have that much of the ball. It's going to be a high-press game from Leeds. We need players that are going to be there and put a few tackles in. And he did it in the final against Brentford, but whether he can do it, in every single week, it's yet to be seen from him. He doesn't really have that in his game. Yes, mate. OK, well, let, let's come on to the stats then. So I'm going to come straight back to you, Ben. What have you got for us in the stats? Yeah, well, I mean, in our last five games against Leeds, um, we've only lost one. 
because that was the one most recently. Um, this is away from home, sorry. Um, and we've we've only won one. We've drawn three. Uh, last time we won away to Leeds was 2014. It's our first season back in the Championship. I was there that day, watched Hugo Rodriguez score, and then Gabriel Corrali flap at about six crosses with his tracksuit bottoms on. And uh, give me a mini heart attack every time. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, before that, it was three consecutive draws. I think they were quite bland draws, if I remember as well. Um, normally, it's quite a difficult place to go, Leeds, to be fair, um, with the fans, but we don't have that this time. Last season, we also had one more go at it. Uh, they brought in a few good signings. They got Ben White from Brighton, because he's not there anymore. Brighton have kept him. Um, Jack Harrison from Man City, they've re-signed on a loan for the season, I believe. And Helder Costa from Wolves, who's now permanent. Um, last year, they won six of the first 10 games. And they were right at the top of the table. And I don't think they moved out of the top two all season after about third or fourth week. Um, they were top of the league before COVID and they were top of the league after COVID. They never faltered after the COVID. They won seven of the next nine fixtures after COVID, which is pretty good. And back in the Premier League for the first time since 2004 is hell of a wait for a, size that, a club that size. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it is a shame when, uh, when big clubs kind of spiral and, and disappear off down the leagues, but it happens quite a lot these days. And Leeds are a prime example, and there's, there's been others, uh, other big examples as well. Uh, Morgs, what have you got? So I've got the uh, looking at sort of stats at a glance uh, for 2019-20. So last season they averaged 2.17 points per home game uh, in a league where the average was 1.52, uh, which you know that's not dropping. That's not not winning many games. It's a pretty extraordinary uh, amount of points. They did win um, 15 of 23 of those, but they only lost three all season. They kept 13 clean sheets in those 23 games. Uh, I, I don't know how many we kept, but that's a you know pretty solid amount. Um, they only uh, conceded 14 goals over the whole season. 71% of those goals conceded came in the second half. Uh, obviously, we couldn't score against them up there, but where they were weakest was in apparently in the last 15 minutes. So that's, you know, if we're 1-0 down with 15 minutes left, there is hope. So uh, over the season, Leeds scored 40 goals at home over um, throughout 2019-20, uh, which is an average of 1.7 goals per game, which is a you know pretty solid return, uh, despite the fact they got Pantrick Bamford as their main striker. But the 60% of those goals came in the second half, majority of which came at the beginning of it. Um, and uh, during the time, during that season, they took the lead 18 times out of those 23 games, and they only conceded an equaliser on three occasions. But, um, you know, on the other hand, away teams took the lead six times on those occasions. And obviously, having only lost three, working out, they uh, only managed to equalise three of those times. But there is that chance to take the lead based on these stats. So I think, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, take hope that we can go up there and get something. And I think you know, looking at looking at our players, we do have the ability to do it. But you know, we've signed new players. Leeds have also got some new signings. Uh, so look at three of those. Uh, first off is Robin Koch or Cock, depending on where you're from. It's Cock. Uh, it's Cock. Okay. So we've got Cock, uh, who's a centre back, uh, signed from uh, Freiburg. 
uh, obviously because uh, Ben White didn't make his transfer, uh, make his loan from Brighton permanent. So he uh, he's 24 year old German. He made 32 appearances for Freiburg last season, uh, who finished eighth in the Bundesliga. And he averages 1.1 tackles per game, 1.4 interceptions per game, and 2.9 clearances, which is less tackles, less interceptions, but more clearances than Ben White. And obviously, the big signing for them over the summer was uh, Rodrigo, for the 29-year-old Spanish striker from Valencia. And he, in uh, 2019-20, he only scored four goals, but assisted seven in La Liga. But his most prolific season came in 2017-18 when he scored 16 and assisted four in the league. He can uh, play out wide or in a deeper attacking midfield position. He is a classic Bielsa-type striker who helps create chances for other attacking players, which, you know, as as a striker in this league, depending on what formation you play, is an incredibly valuable asset to have. Uh, He did actually have a season in the Premier League back in 2010-11 um, where he scored one goal for Bolton Wanderers. And so far this season, he has one assist, albeit for Liverpool, when he gave away a penalty and Salah scored. And they do have one other player who has come in. So, one of their loan signings from another Premier League team, uh, they did actually bring Jack Harrison in from Man City, who was an attacking midfielder, who scored uh, six and assisted eight in the Championship last season for them, uh, which I assume they're hoping he's going to continue in a similar vein this year he already has continued that hasn't he He got the first goal at Anfield um last weekend so yeah he's already off the mark yes so far so good for them um I'm going to talk through their their other key players so we're going to start with Pablo Hernandez the 35 year old attacking midfielder one of Leeds most influential and creative outlets nine goals and nine assists during their promotion campaign last season he came on at half-time when we played them at Ellen Road last time and turned the game around instrumental as they scored another two goals past us. One of the few players in the league squad who have Premier League experience after playing for Swansea for two seasons uh, between 2012 and 2014. Obviously in the twilight of his career, but this will be his, uh, one, of his, one of his last seasons, certainly at this level, I should imagine. Helder Costa, Portuguese winger that they signed on loan from Wolves last season before making the permanent switch over the summer, similar to what we did with Ivan Cavalero. Um, four goals and four assists in the championship last season and already has one assist this season from the game against Liverpool. Luke Ayling, the 29-year-old right-back and club captain, played 37 of their 46 games last season. Uh, four goals and four assists, which is very good for a right-back, clearly considering that Helder Costa had exactly the same return from uh, from further forward up the pitch. And then you've got Calvin Phillips, the 24-year-old, highly rated defensive midfielder who made his England debut two weeks ago against Denmark. Um, he averages 2.6 tackles per game, 1.4 interceptions, and has an 81.8% pass succession. He's a good all-round defensive midfielder who shielded the Leeds defence well last season. Could well be doing the same for England in the Euros next year. All right, well, that's, uh, that's the stats that Stato provided for us. I'm now going to go over to a chat that I had with Danny a little while ago. Uh, it's a in-focus chat about Kevin McDonald. Fulham. Yes, we're back to do another player focus this week. This time we're looking at Kevin McDonald. I've got Danny with me. How are you doing, Danny? How are you doing, mate? 
I'm good, mate. I'm good. Well, let's talk about K-Mac. So he signed for Fulham in July 2016, having made 126 appearances for Wolves. We just had a very shaky couple of seasons in the Championship, but Slavisa Djokanovic had been in the Fulham hot seat since the beginning of the year and was beginning to turn things around at the club. Bringing in a player like McDonald was a signal that things were about to turn around at Fulham, wasn't it? How did you feel when he signed? I was very happy. I was in the middle of Asda when he signed. <laughs> <laughs> Random. Uh, yeah, I, I was um, I was in the middle of doing doing a shop, and uh, my dad called me up and told me that Kevin McDonald was signed because it had been on the cards for a few days, and I was very very happy. I was it was one of them that I was eager for it to get over the line. I saw a few of Wolves games the previous season, and I I really liked him for all the reasons that he was good for us and the way he dictated the tempo of the game and and seemed to be the the conductor of the midfield, you know, it, it seemed to tell everyone where to go and showed great leadership qualities. And it was exactly what we were missing really at the time. So I was, I was very, very happy. And then, like you said, I think it was the caliber of player that was a turning point for, for us as a club. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember when he signed and I certainly can't remember where I was when I heard the news, probably sat on the sofa, I should imagine. But it came at a time when I was beginning to think as a club, we were probably going to be rooted in the championship for, for a long time because we, you know, we, we hadn't looked great since since going down and the calibre of player that we were signing, just journeyman players, players I'd never heard of, players that were hardly set in the world alight. And I'll be honest, I didn't know that much about McDonald, but I, I knew that the Wolves fans really liked him. Oh yeah, it was a massive hit with them and he got promoted with them from League One, didn't he? He'd also been in the Premier League before he joined Wolves. So he had experience of both ends of, of the football pyramid. And, and for me, he's just a very streetwise player. He's very vocal and effectively was the captain. It doesn't matter who wears the armband. He was the leader on the pitch. Uh, football fans do love a captain that leads the team and shows a bit of passion, a bit of aggressiveness. And I think he gets that spot on. Yes, I, I was going to bring up the leadership qualities that he brings to the team as well. And obviously, we don't see the way that the players interact during the week. All we see is what happens on a Saturday and, you know, the kind of banter that they have on social media and all that sort of stuff. But one thing that always stood out to me, and I don't want to use this as a as a stick to beat Tom Kearney with, but during the, the pre-match huddles that we used to have, or, or that the players used to have during the Slavisa Djokanovic era, um, he was always the one that was doing the talking rather than Tom Kearney. And then you saw after the playoff win, when we were all allowed in against uh, against Aston Villa as well, he was the one that did the post-match kind of speech. And even now, you know, when, when we scored at, at Wembley, uh, when Joe Bryan scored, I think maybe his first goal, he was the one that was trying to, you know, he obviously joined in the celebrations and jumped around on the sidelines. But then he straight away stepped aside and he, was, he had his finger to his eyes as if to say, now keep your heads, keep concentrating. And, and it's that kind of leadership quality that... We've been lacking, I think, throughout the team prior to prior to when he signed. Yeah, at that moment at Wembley recently, when he did that, was just top class. You know, I love that, and I love that about him. That even though he's not playing, he's a winner, and he's very, very focused on the, you know the bigger picture and getting the club up and making sure that the teammates around him don't lose their head. And like you said, you know, all the huddles, he's always the one that does all the talking. And I would imagine from what we see that if Kevin McDonald speaks, everyone shuts up and listens to him and he's got that kind of respect about him. 
Sadly, I think his Fulham days as a player are probably numbered now, especially being in the Premier League. He hasn't played really for a, for a couple of years now. He didn't play much in the Premier League season. He didn't play much last season either. So we probably won't see much of him on the pitch. I just hope that whenever his career finishes, that he comes back because people like that are just priceless. I don't know if anybody's actually asked him whether he wants to be a coach, but it just seems to be the the natural next step for him, doesn't it? it yeah, it just feels that that's what they're uh, grooming him into, that he's slowly winding down his playing career and he's more like part of the backroom staff now. I wouldn't be surprised next season if, if he's on the bench, even if he's not in the squad, just so he's there for for the other qualities he brings. And I mean, he obviously would have played with... Parker as well, wouldn't he? Parker would have been like the spare man of that midfield trio uh, the year we lost to Reading in the playoffs. Effectively doing what Kevin McDonald's doing now is how Scott Parker's been and career ended. So you can see similar traits there and it would be very silly if he's keen to, to go down that road for us not to give him that opportunity because I think he's the kind of person that the club needs around. Is he just a bit young at the moment, though? He's only 31. He's still got plenty to give as a player, I'd say, certainly in the Championship. I mean, that does come up a lot, his age. He's never been the most mobile of players, though, has he? And the fact that he hasn't played for two years, I don't know. Only he knows what he's capable of doing. I'm sure he's got a couple of years that he could give to a Championship team. And it's a bit selfish, really. Part of me thinks, just retire and stay, because we get the benefit of having you around. But... At the same time, you know, it would be such a, a shame for him to end his career too early and then regret it in later life. So I hope he does the right thing for him. But whenever it does end, that he comes back. I think the attitude that he's shown in the last couple of years when he's not been playing has been exemplary. He's so He's been so professional. And if he wants to still play, then we we've got to let him do it i think you know go go and find a club for a year or two but yeah as you say definitely come back because i'd love him on the coaching squad here he's still under contract so it may be a case of just loaning him out he's got another year i think he signed an extension in december it is one of those situations where i don't think we really need him now on the pitch and we've got to focus on what we're doing and then trying to stay in the premier league so i i do think it's his choice and I think we should respect whatever he wants to do. If he wants to stay and, and not play, but just be part of it, then happy days. If he wants to go and start playing again somewhere else, then I think we should respect that and, and honour it for him. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. The, the ball should be in his court. He's, he's earned that, and that, that's, what, that's the least he deserves, to be honest. During his first season, we narrowly missed out on promotion when we lost to Reading at Radeski Stadium in the 2017 playoffs. As we said, he was a clear leader on the pitch and seemed to command the other players' respect. He wasn't Fulham captain, but how much easier do you think he made Tom Kearney's job with his vocal presence? I think Tom Kearney was quite happy for him to take the lead role when it came to doing the the team chats and the more vocal leader on the pitch. But at the same time, I think it shows you what a great relationship they've got as a pair, that Kevin McDonald was equally happy for Kearney to be the captain. And they were both quite happy with the roles they played. And, and it worked, you know. I, I think the fans were probably more obsessed with who was captain than the players were, to be honest. And it was very nice that they lifted the trophy together. And I think the, the players um, conducted themselves very, very well. 
and been wonderful players for them. I, th- I think that's a good point that you make about the uh, the fans being more obsessed about the captaincy, but I think that's just kind of the the era we live in now, where there are podcasts. We do these kind of um, these chats. We've we've got to talk about something. You find things that you you might describe as a player's weakness. Kearney's weakness as a captain is obviously how vocal he is or isn't or, or seems to be. And that's the sort of thing that fans pick up on. And that, that it's the same with social media as well. It's, it's the same kind of idea that people will pick up on, on those things as talking points. But as long as the players are happy and, and it's working, which it has been, um, certainly in the championship, the last couple of cracks we've had at it, then who cares really? Just let them, let them go on with it. All right, in the 17-18 promotion season, he formed part of an impressive midfield three alongside Tom Kearney and Stefan Johansson and chipped in with some vital goals as well. One off his backside against Saturday's opponent's Leeds, another scrappy one to win the game at Barnsley, and then an absolute pile driver away at Millwall. What would you say has been your favourite goal from K-Mac? The one off his backside. It's a quality finish. Uh, it was. It, it was. It was in the right place at the right time. It was instinct. No, it's got to be the Millwall goal. Brilliant strike, wasn't it? I mean, his other goals have been quite scrappy in comparison. So yeah, it has to be that one, doesn't it? Yeah, same for me as well. Although Jordan Archer, the Fulham legend that was in in goal that night, probably should have saved it, shouldn't he? Well, I mean, if you watch it back, it's not right in the top corner, is it? It, it reminds me a little bit of a, uh, the free kick Jimmy Bullard scored during the great escape against Villa. If you watch that back, it's it's like it goes very high into the top of the goal, but it's not quite in the corner. It's a little bit more central than that. And yeah, the keeper probably should have saved it. He probably should have done better with the first goal that night for, for Sessignon's tapping. You know, we won't talk about that. You know, K-Mac, brilliant player and, and it was a brilliant goal. Yeah, and after Slav left when when he was in when we were in the Premier League, uh, Claudio Ranieri was brought in, and I just I remember K-Mac having not played much at all that season. Then he was thrown back in for Southampton away, and after Ranieri was sacked, which I think he was he was sacked after that Southampton game where we just didn't put up any fight whatsoever and lost. I remember him being quite critical in in the club program actually, saying no idea why I, I don't even know why I was put back in the team for that. It's that kind of honesty that really endears a player to you when, you know, he's clearly thinking, well, I, I want the club to stay up and I want, I want the manager to pick the best team possible. Why are you putting me in the team when I, when I haven't played for so long? It's just dropping me back in at the deep end. Yeah, it was a strange decision. And he was treated very harshly that year. We should have kept faith with, with some of the players and, that midfield trio worked so well in the, the championship that it was almost one of the positions really that we should have probably just kept faith with uh, and, and strengthened around them. But you need a really strong spine, no matter what level you're playing at. And, and they provided that. But I mean, it, it wasn't the only strange decision made during Ranieri's time in the club, was it? Let's be honest. But it was very random that he was just thrown in like that. And Probably did him no favours, really, because he probably wasn't ready for the game, probably wasn't fit for the game. And I can't explain what Ranieri was thinking, because that would probably take a very long time. So, yeah, let's just put it down to um, one of many bizarre decisions. Yeah, let's. It's it's a difficult one to close off when, when talking about Kevin McDonald, actually, because he's had, a, he's had a strange time at Fulham in a lot of ways. 
He's been with the club for a while now, but the last couple of seasons he hasn't really played much, but we still love him anyway. But we're obviously going to remember the promotion as, as his highlight. What would you give him out of 10 for his time at the club? Like I always do, you have to keep it in perspective with what other players have done for Fulham. He was a very good leader in a promotion, but hasn't really contributed much in the Premier League era. Didn't contribute much last season on the pitch. So I think that has to be taken into consideration. He almost played a similar role to John Collins for me. Uh, And John Collins then was part of a better team, then went on to be part of a team that won the Intertoto Cup and established us in the Premier League for a couple of years. And I would only give him probably a 7.5. So I'd have to give K-Mac a 7 on that basis. Fair enough, mate. I, again, I've, I've got eight written down here. I, I just, think, I don't think you can underestimate how important a character like him is to a squad. To have a leader who's vocal and who holds things together when the chips are down. I, th- I think he was still a massive part of that promotion squad last season under Scott Parker. All right, he, he had a bit part to play on the pitch, but as we said, you know, he, he was clearly in the ears of the players from the sidelines. And obviously, yes, the, the, the actual promotion that he, he played full part of as well when, when we got promoted at Wembley. So, yeah, it's an eight for me. Yeah, fair right. enough, mate. I mean, I could probably push it to a 7.5, but I'm sticking to the gun. <laughs> I'm going to stick to your guns, mate. Absolutely. Stick to the gun. Seven. Seven. Sorry, K-Mac. Good stuff, mate. Thank you for that. Let's pass it back to the main show. Fulham. Right, lads, well, it's come to that time in the show when I'm going to ask you for your score prediction. Morgs, I'll come to you first. What's your score prediction for our match at Ellen Road at the weekend? I would love to go for a win on this, but being the rational individual that I am, I'm going to take a score draw. I'm going to say it's going to be two all. I think we will score a couple, but I think Leeds attacking a attacking threat will mean that we don't keep a clean sheet this time so or again so two all to be fair mate i'd take two all that'll be a decent result ben what about you mate what do you think um like morgan says i'd love to go there and um, get a win i'd love to say we're going to get a win but i just can't see it leads his first home game in the premier league um they didn't concede many last season uh, 13 clean sheets to our 10 in the uh, league at home last season um i think we'll get a goal though so i'm gonna go with one all bit of positivity. All right. Well, seeing as you two have both gone for draws, I'm going to go for a win. I'm going to say we're going to win 1-0. And I reckon it'll be Anguisa from 35 yards. <laughs> and, that is really optimistic. <laughs> and I'll, I'll add the caveat that every time I've made a prediction on this show, it's never come off. So, <laughs> Much like an Anguisa to 30-yard shot, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I should imagine so. All right, well, that's it from us this time. J-Mac will be back in the driving seat for your Leeds Reaction pod, which will be out first thing on Monday morning. For now, though, thanks to Morgs and to Ben for joining me and to you all for listening at home and speak to you soon. Cheers. 